on this week's edition of New York Now. It's the start of a new year and a new legislative session. This week, our panel considers what's ahead as state lawmakers return to Albany, and Governor Kathy Hochul shares her vision for her first full term. I'm David Lombardo, and this is New York Now. Today, the Senate majority will pass legislation. I will fight like hell for you every single day, like I've always done. Welcome to this week's edition of New York Now. I'm David Lombardo, host of WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, in for the indomitable Dan Clark. This week saw the start of a new legislative session as state lawmakers returned to Albany for the first time since their lame duck session last month. The state legislature is scheduled to be in session through June, and there's a lot on the table to tackle between now and then, including public safety concerns, creating more affordable housing, and adopting a state budget. But the week kicked off with Governor Kathy Hochul delivering her inaugural address from Albany as she embarks on her first full term as chief executive of the Empire State. The sign says, I didn't come here to make history. I came here to make a difference and to pursue the worthy causes. Pursue them together. And as your governor, I'll keep fighting for you every single day. In the speech, she also gave some hints of her plans for 2023. First, we must and will make our state safer. This means New Yorkers can walk our streets, and ride our subways, our kids can go to school free from fear. Secondly, we have to make our state more affordable. Yes, people want to be here. The thought of not being able to have your grandkids grow up in the same community that they were raised in because they can't afford it, that's very sad. And lastly, we must create opportunities for the people today, but also invest in it tomorrow so our young people, like our poet Caden, can have a better life. And that all starts the clock on the next six months for Planet Albany. Let's get into it with this week's panel, John Campbell, Capital Reporter for WNYC and Gothamist, and Marie French, Energy and Environmental Reporter at the Capitol for Politico New York. And I want to begin our discussion with the first priority that Governor Kathy Hochul identified in her inaugural address, which is to, quote unquote, make our state safer. John, based on last year's session and the recent election season, is that a surprise to hear her want to focus on this? And what could that priority end up looking like during the legislative session? I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a surprise. It, it's a topic that dominated the the campaign season, but it dominated the campaign season because Lee Zeldin, her opponent, made it dominate the campaign season. So she, you know, there is definitely, you can see from public polling that the public safety is a concern mm -hmm. of New Yorkers. And there are areas of the state where, where violent crime has, has gone up. Uh, and a lot of people associate that with bail laws, bail reform, but others have different definitions. So we want to know what Kathy Hochul is going to be proposing on the issue of crime and public safety. We know that recently during a special session, she made some overtures to the legislature about perhaps making further tweaks to the, the state's bail laws, but we don't know exactly what that'll look like, and we're hoping to learn more in her state of the state. And I guess it's um, it'll be interesting to see what legislative leaders, you know, want to make of of her, whatever her proposal is. It certainly I got the sense from um, Majority Leader Andrew Stewart Cousins, uh, you know, remarks on the first day of session that she's willing to sort of look at the issue of public safety, but definitely in a more like, you know, look at the root causes sort of way as as Democrats are wont to do. Well, yeah, in 2022, when Governor Kathy Hochul was focusing on public safety, the issue was 
restricting the, the use of cashless bail or ensuring that there are more crimes that monetary bail can be imposed. And she had to drag the legislature, essentially kicking and screaming, uh, to adopt those types of measures. Is there any indication, Marie, that the legislature is interested in doing those types of rollbacks again uh, this year? Or, or are they more uh, thinking about taking on criminal justice measures like clean slate, uh, which is uh, basically clearing people's criminal records or making parole reforms, things more on the, the far left end of, of the political spectrum? I certainly haven't seen any indication that there's a, a whole lot of appetite to to tackle the bail issue again. Yeah, I, I think there's a general sense among the Democratic leadership that they stand behind the the reasons for bail reform in the first place, which is you don't want to criminalize poverty. And if you have two people charged with the same crime and one person can afford bail and the other person can't and that person gets out, the first person gets out, then that's essentially what you're doing. So they very much stand behind that premise. And I, I think that the fear is if you make tweaks here and there that eventually you hollow it down till it's nothing. So, um, you know, you will see that that'll be a battle if mm -hmm. that's the route that Kathy Hochul wants to take. Well, John, we're speaking before the governor has her official state of the state where she said that she wants to lay out more of her vision in concrete terms. But is there any reason to expect that she'll take on public safety in any significant way or it's going to be more around the margins? Because I don't really see her going to bat for, say, creating a dangerousness standard that judges could utilize uh, when determining pretrial sentencing. Do, do you? I mean, that would be the big leap. And mm -hmm. we didn't have a, a dangerousness standard even before nope. bail. But, um, you know, there, that is something that, say, Mayor Eric Adams from New York City is pushing for to give judges more discretion to hold someone in jail before their trial if they are considered a danger. Now, legislative leaders will say that invites bias into the process and, and especially bias against black and brown people who have historically uh, been on the wrong side of those kind of things. So, uh, you know, it is a difficult needle to thread. And, and we'll start to hear more about it from the governor in her, her state of the state. But also, you know, you hear the broad overviews in the state of the state. Mm -hmm. You've got the budget address a couple weeks later, and that's really where you get the, the nuts and bolts often. Well, you mentioned New York City Mayor Eric Adams, and we'll get to the rest of the governor's priorities in a second, but how successful do you think Mayor Eric Adams, who is a veteran of the state Senate, how successful will he be at navigating the politics of Albany in his second year in office? Because I think it's fair to say that he did not get everything he wanted in 2022 from state lawmakers. So is there reason to believe that 2023 is going to be different for him? Well, you know, so much of New York City's agenda flows through Albany. And that is something that has vexed mayors for decades and decades and decades and led to really bad relationships between mayors and governors over the year. They don't like coming up to Albany. <laughs> no. But, you know, Eric Adams, it was kind of a mixed bag in his first year, you know, maybe more going toward the negative end from his perspective. But he, there are always things that they're going to, to want. He, you know, he did hire Diane Savino, who is a, a state senator who just left office mm -hmm. to kind of help with some of that uh, and help with the relationship in Albany as well in, as in New York City. And I'm curious to see how that might alter his strategy going forward, because legislative leaders weren't really happy with, you know, 
the negotiations or lack of communication from the mayor's office during his first year in office. So let's turn to the second priority then that uh, the governor identified in her speech, Marie, which was affordability. And in 2022, that meant she was looking to uh, repeal certain gas taxes uh, for New Yorkers. Uh, she uh, was pushing a, a middle class uh, tax cut. Is there any reason to suspect, based on the fiscal condition that we're expecting for 2023, that there's going to be a big swing on this issue of affordability and making New York uh, a cheaper place to live or a cheaper place to do business? Or based on your track record and experience in Albany, do you think this is something around the margins, uh, again, trying to uh, nickel and dime ways uh, that people might be able to save money? Well, I think it's, um, I think the focus on the affordability conversation, I think is going to be housing, really. Mm -hmm. okay. I think that's, um, you know, one of the big things that people are talking about. And Tokel made that point as well, that, you know, housing is going to be a big focus for her. Um, you know, the cost of living is, is higher. I don't know that she's going to, you know, want to do another gas tax suspension or anything like that. I think with prices kind of coming down at least a little bit that conversation maybe can be left alone. But. And on housing, she's hinted that uh, she wants to talk about this, and she's, again, not given us details, which we probably won't get until a, a budget address. But given the way she approaches government, are you expecting her to take on housing from more of a, a market-driven uh, approach as opposed to what the progressives in the state would like to see, which is more of a government regulation uh, approach, really setting the terms and standards for what new housing is going to look like and what sort of rules existing housing operates under? Yeah, I think that uh, we'll know we'll know more later, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, they they had the expiration of that real estate tax credit. What is it? Four twenty one a or whatever it's called. In, For the in nerds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, they they definitely will want to do some sort of you know market incentive to, mm -hmm. to sort of increase housing stock. Um, I'm sure, but yeah, you'll definitely see the progressive push. Progressives pushing for you know controls on rent or you know at least limitations on when people can be evicted. Yeah, and that what Marie's referring to there is legislation that's the so-called good cause eviction, which is a de facto cap on the growth of rent and yeah. codifies the types of uh, reasons that someone can actually be evicted. Is this the year uh, that good cause eviction gets done, John? It's something that Democrats have been pushing since they took the majority in both houses of the state legislature back to 2019 when they did pass a series of, of rent reforms, but good cause was not one of those. Is there reason to think that 2023 is their year? It is, you know, listen, they're going to push for it, but the real estate lobby in New York State is very, very powerful. Mm -hmm. And it remains powerful even as that progressive wing of the legislature grows. And, you know, they don't like that. You know, they view that good cause eviction legislation as an infringement on the free market and their ability to charge what they want for rent or charge what the market says they want for rent or they can charge for rent. So they are going to push back against that. Marie mentioned the, the 421A tax credit. That is something they want. So naturally, everything gets traded for everything in Albany. So, you know, observers are kind of looking at both of those things, saying maybe this will get traded for that. But, you know, the progressives hate that tax credit. And or the, the tax incentive program and the real estate lobby hates the good cause eviction bill. So I don't know if that's really something that would happen.
So one of the things that's new in the housing front this year is that we have a new housing chair in the assembly, and that's the product of turnover in the legislature, and particularly in the assembly, where we saw a whole host of new uh, chairmen coming in to run uh, housing, uh, environmental conservation, energy, higher education, health. Um, in particular, though, I'm interested, Marie, we have new chairs of environmental conservation for the Assembly and the Senate. Is that a meaningful change? Is that going to impact the policies that actually reach the floor in either houses? Or do the legislative leaders essentially pull all the strings for these committees and it doesn't really matter who the head of a committee is? Um, I think it, it does uh, open up a new opportunity. I mean, you've got you know, fresh eyes to look at different policies. You've got, you know, a new relationship to be built between the two chairs. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, we we saw, you know, Kaminsky and Engelbright, the previous chairs, Kaminsky in the Senate and Engelbright in the Assembly, you know, they, they worked together on, on several issues, but sometimes they couldn't really come to an agreement on, on things like extended producer responsibility or the bottle bill. So I think you'll see that, you know, the, the new leadership um, in those committees, um, should you know open up some opportunities i think and of course it's a very different year now that we have a final climate plan um, that lays out a lot of priorities that the legislature could take up if it wants. Well, yeah, let's follow up on that. We got the final scoping plan from the Climate Action Council at the end of 2022, and that's the, the roadmap New York's supposed to follow for reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. Is there any significant policies uh, on that front that you're anticipating lawmakers will actually want to take up in 2023? Because some of them are politically controversial. Yeah, um, there's a lot in there. I think the, some of the fights that we'll definitely see come up will be um, the gas ban in buildings, new construction in particular. Uh, and we were pretty close on making that happen in 2022, or how, how far away were they? You know, it's, it's Albany, so distance is imaginary as well as yeah. time. I guess until it gets done, <laughs> until it gets done there's a huge yeah. gulf there, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, the, there was definitely support from the governor's office and the Senate to, to reach a deal on that. It fell through kind of um, because of the assembly not, not really being willing to take it up. But um, I think that, that there is going to be appetite to, to tackle it. Um, the question of the dates and like there's, you know, potentially a regulatory way they could do it, but it sounds like the Building Codes Council doesn't actually want to do it. So advocates are saying, well, but then we need another law to like make sure that we get this enshrined and codified and that it actually happens and that we stop building new, new you know, office buildings and houses and apartment buildings that are relying on natural gas or oil or propane. And, and listen, you, you mentioned 2023. I mean, the chances of controversial legislation coming up are better in 2023 than they would be in 2024. And that's simply because 2024 is an election year. So we have these two-year cycles in the state legislature. One is an election year, the other one isn't, and you're more likely to see the controversial things happen in a non-election year, the furthest from when these lawmakers have to go to the polls. Because as we know, voters have notoriously short memories <laughs> and can only remember the last 12 months and not the last 24. Uh, Marie, though, sticking with the environment and hard choices, what about the likelihood of raising revenue to fund some of the green initiatives that were included in the Climate Action Council? Like John said, because it's 2023 and not 2024 when they're all up for re-election again, is it possible that we could see some higher taxes, whether it's on corporations or polluters, uh, to fund some of these green initiatives? Well, there's definitely a, a few things to keep an eye on. So NY Renews, which is the big coalition that kind of push, pushed for the state's uh, climate law, uh, is backing you know, higher taxes. 
they would like to see, you know, like a lot of progressive groups are doing. They said, you know, raise the taxes on the wealthy and use that money for, you know, a range of things, including climate action. Um, but there's also support for, um, it's, ca it's called a climate super fund um, sort of legislation that would basically tax all of the fossil fuel companies for their historic, you know, emissions in the same model of a Superfund law that like penalized polluters for, you know, so they could clean up that, that damage. And so that's a, that's an interesting proposal that has backing from Liz Kruger. So that could, could have legs this session. Mm. Um, and then the other thing to watch is that the climate action plan includes cap and invest or cap and trade, which would essentially be a fee on carbon emissions across the economy. Uh, and there is uh, an understanding, at least I think from the governor's side that they could technically do that just on on the regulatory side without really needing the legislature to, to have total buy-in. Well, Spending that money would well, be a I'm different story. I'm already hearing this uh, future uh, Republican and anti-cap-and-trade messaging. Uh, they're raising the cost of energy in New York. It's going to cost more to heat your home, more to fuel your car. Uh, that uh, has been a, a winning argument in terms of killing some of these efforts in the past, though, right? Yes, it has absolutely been very successful in blocking any sort of carbon fear, carbon uh, carbon pricing scheme. Well, John, more broadly, there's going to be an effort to raise taxes on wealthy New Yorkers uh, in 2023 to pay for not just environmental programs, but social programs. And in 2021, uh, progressives and Democratic state lawmakers were successful in pushing through an income tax hike on wealthy New Yorkers. Is there reason to think that in 2023 we will have new taxes on the wealthy, whether it is an income tax or other forms of wealth taxes? Well, I mean, you're certainly going to see the, the left wing of the legislature push for that, particularly on the wealthy. But we have heard from Governor Hochul, who said, you know, now isn't the right time to, to raise taxes from her perspective. And she has huge, huge sway over the state budget. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she'll put out her budget proposal later this month. And she's suggested already that she does not intend to, to raise taxes. Now, governors have said that before. And then you see, oh, well, we're not raising taxes. We're raising this DMV fee or that fee or, or well, this isn't really, they call it something else. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. But at this point, Governor Hochul, who, who is certainly more moderate than the progressive wing of the legislature, she says she, she doesn't want to raise taxes. Well, sticking with that idea of the governor being a moderate and the legislature being a little more progressive, we're seeing that fight, that contrast play out right now over her pick uh, to lead the state's uh, court of appeals uh, to be the chief judge. She nominated Hector LaSalle, and his nomination is in jeopardy as we talk on Friday morning with more than a dozen Democratic state senators coming out against his nomination, arguing that he's too conservative to lead New York's top court. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Because from my perspective, it seems like there is no clear pathway to him being confirmed and that the governor is either going to have to withdraw his nomination or watch him lose at some stage in the process. Well, there is a pathway to his nomination, but it requires Republican votes and it requires the Democratic leadership to be okay with advancing that nomination ah, with Republican the votes. The notoriously and, bipartisan in and, Albany environment. And that, that is something that that, that would be a, an uphill climb, a heavy lift from the, the governor's perspective. But she's not giving up on this. She nominated Hector LaSalle to be the chief judge of the Court of Appeals, which really undersells his role because not only does it make him the chief judge of the top court in the state, right. it makes it puts him in charge of the entire court system in New York, which is this big web of 
state and local courts all throughout the state. And he is facing a lot of pressure because he of a couple different decisions, one that went against uh, former Attorney General Eric Schneiderman when he was investigating a, a crisis pregnancy center, like kind of a a, a, a pro-abortion group, anti-abortion group, exactly. And another one that went against the labor union, CWA. And there's a lot of debate about what exactly those decisions did. And but he's facing opposition from labor unions, and he's facing opposition from progressives who are worried that he will swing that court, the t court of appeals to this conservative block that is more conservative. I shouldn't yeah. say conservative. I mean, we're talking New York conservative. Conservative for New York, yeah. yes. And uh, that has existed uh, of, of four, four judges that have banded together and, and been more conservative than progressives would like. Mm -hmm. So there's this tipping point uh, on, the, on the court. Hector LaSalle would be the, the, the chief judge and could tip that balance one way or the other. And so far, progressives in the Senate who have to confirm him are really, really sticking to their guns and, and, and pushing back against this nomination. And this is a fight unlike any other we've seen in the last four plus decades because the state Senate traditionally, since they've had this power, has rubber stamped uh, wh whoever they've gotten choice to nominate. So Marie, with that backdrop, with the idea that the state Senate is ready to go to war essentially with the governor over this, is that something that will be on the minds of the governor as we head into this legislative session, potentially putting them at odds, potentially uh, ruining their relationships? Or in politics, like in sports, is it just move on and uh, you just live to fight another day? I, I think that uh, is really maybe a concern, you know, as we head into this new session. Like, how is that going to affect their relationship? And are, is it going to make it harder for, for Hochul to get things done that she wants to get done if she really is going to stick to her guns on this? Or are they just going to come up with some compromise where they get something they really, like the legislature gets something they really want and uh, everybody kind of moves on? Yeah, and that's, the legislature did just get something that they really wanted, and that was a... <laughs> giant pay raise, a 29% pay raise that Governor Hochul signed into law just before the balls dropped on New Year's. Mm -hmm. And that's how I always celebrate. There was there was some thought that maybe the governor was trying to say, hey, you know, legislature, Senate, you you approve my judge pick right. and I'll approve your your pay raise. But she already did it, so she doesn't have that leverage anymore. And what does that tell you, John, about the governor's ability to navigate Albany? Because to me, it seems like she got outplayed on that issue and is going to get outplayed on this judicial nomination. So do you think she understands how to win, so to speak, in Albany? Do you think she's going to be able to walk away from this budget process uh, over the next three months, walk away from the legislative session with victories? Or is, you know, sticking with the sports parlance, is the legislature going to end up on top? Are they going to be the ones who are setting the agenda? They're the ones, for football terms, go Bills, going to be advancing the ball down the field. How do you see that playing out? I mean, the governor... New York has a very strong executive office, right? So the governor still ends up driving the agenda. That's why we listen to the governor's state of the state. That's why we listen to the, the budget proposal. Mm -hmm. And the governor has really broad authority uh, in the budget to, you know, veto single items, things like that. So, uh, you know, the, the governor still has a, a ton of power. That said, you know, there is a system of checks and balances in place, and the legislature is 
very much flexing its muscle. But it's it's complicated too in that Hector LaSalle would be the first Latino to serve as the chief judge of, mm -hmm. of New York State. And that is something that is very, very meaningful to, to a lot of Latino leaders across the state. And you're seeing them organize on his behalf. So there are, uh, you know, identity politics at play here. There are, uh, you know, progressive conservative politics at play here. It is uh, going to be really a fascinating thing to watch play out as the Senate starts to hold a hearing on, on his nomination, can. if they yeah. do. Well, Marie, uh, finally, the third priority that the governor outlined was this idea of creating economic opportunities. And in, in 2023, we're going to begin to hopefully spend uh, some of this uh, environmental bond money that voters approved in November. So what type of job opportunities could we see in 2023 and beyond in, in that area? Well, I think uh, 2023 might be a little early to, to see some of that money really getting out the door. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of projects, you know, that are sort of in the queue of, you know, water infrastructure and other things that are already asking for money and, you know, would be good if they could get some of that money out the door pretty quickly. But on other other areas, it's like, you know, it might take a little while to set up some of those programs. DEC is going to need some more staff to actually be able to start administering some of that money. So I think that that certainly is a big pool of money, and I think it will be very significant in terms of job creation, but like, we need to actually implement some of it first. And speaking of staff, they're also going to need to staff up uh, at DEC to implement some of the Climate Action Council regulations as well, right? Exactly, yes. Okay. Well, it seems like we're going to have a fun session ahead for 2023. I mean, are you guys, not, I mean, you don't think you're going to be bored, right? Fun is a relative term, but... I mean, like, uh, I'm having you know. fun right now. Oh, absolutely. I mean, listen, this... this It's a joy to be here, Dave. Absolutely. <laughs> State government affects everybody's life in New York. Well, we've been speaking with WNYC and Gothamist John Campbell and Politico New York's Marie French. And that does it for this week. Don't forget that you can get the latest news from the state capitol anytime on our website. That's at nynow.org. And it's always free. Until then, thanks for watching this week's New York Now. Have a great week and be well. Funding for New York Now is provided by WNET.